Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got the Beat. My god, the microphone's so cranked up, I'm gonna throw up. Holy sh- Sorry. <laughs> Oops. Um, welcome to We've Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment from the east and beyond. Is there an ever an episode that doesn't get fucked up? <laughs> what is happening right now? Are you losing it? Yes, I'm having a breakdown. Hi. Um, uh, this is Michael, my other side. How's everybody? Great. Um, hello, gonna- hello. Fabulous, fabulous, wonderful. We're going to be discussing the 20th anniversary of Joyride and Glass House, two thrillers from 2001, starring Lily Sobieski. What? It is kind of weird. yeah. It's so strange. I was like, that can't be the only reason why he chose these movies. Why would he choose them because of her? And then I looked him up. They were released within like three weeks or something of each other. Yeah. It's a, well, and here's the thing is that Joyride sat on the shelf for a very long time at a very troubled uh, post-production. And they decided to capitalize on uh, the Fast and Furious success. So they held off for the seat. Uh, it was filmed oh, in the fall of 99. I think it sat on the shelf. Wow. That's yeah. a shame. Uh, well, might as well start off with that one. This is the one where uh, if you get the DVD, um, I'm not sure if the extra is on the Blu-ray, but there is a whole half hour difference. The the third part of the movie, when he kidnaps her uh, in the cornfield and goes to the hotel, is really different. Well, I also read that they filmed a bunch of others that got cut out of the movie, like... Uh... You know, a slightly more romantic scene between her and Paul Walker. And then there was also apparently uh, another scene with her her and, uh, what's his name? Steve Zahn. And Steve Zahn, sorry. I don't know why I did that. That uh, just to kind of, you know, check the different dynamics, test them out, and both of them got cut. So I think there's a lot of content that, you know, People haven't seen unless they somehow got those extras. Right. Because I think it said it was 180 minutes originally. Oh my god, that's insane. Why would... No, that's absurd. I'm pretty sure that's what I... Re- I mean, obviously not everything you read on IMDb is fact, but I thought that's what I read yesterday when I was watching the movie. But, like, that's that's a lot of movie. Yeah, well... To be on the, on, the, on the cutting room floor. Yeah, well, a lot of times people think that that's somehow the final cut and the studio meddles with that's it. That's true. This is the thing that's been happening on Twitter lately is they're like, release the so-and-so cut. Just because you say that when you were, it's called an assembly cut, basically, is when you have all the plates. You don't yeah. have a finished film, but you have narratively a story you basically tell, and then when you have the assembly sure. cut, you look at it, and then you start to whittle down. Some directors are full of themselves, and they go, hey, let's let, you know, let's, uh, let's put this out and have the studio say yes, and they're usually out of their fucking mind. They think they're going to agree yeah. to a four-hour film, but it worked for Justice League, apparently. <laughs> um, I mean, in, in the case of certain movies, like, I don't know, Justice League, uh, oh my god, where there's so many more things that made sense when you watched a three-hour version of it. Right. And, but, but not every movie is like that, and people keep thinking, well, release this cut, release this cut. No, it's never oh, intended sure. to be uh, released that way. They're just putting this together, and they'll fine-tune it later. Yeah. So that's what I'm guessing with Joyride. Well, t- so this movie is, like, pretty much, uh, I mean, most excitement pretty much through the whole thing. There isn't a ton of, like, downtime. I mean, there's little bits, but I assume that had to be part of the the thought process when putting together the final product that you know you want to have that intensity because my god this is one of the most like intense uh nail-biting 
really good movies that I've seen. And I personally think maybe if they had had, you know, a longer scene in a hotel room with with Veda and Lewis, that it would have really messed up the pacing, you know? Yeah, it also kind of... It puts it in the audience's mind. It changes the perspective of who you think a character is. The fact that they're it's all kind of on the verge of something but never going through it keeps everybody in this weird neutral area where you still like them. And especially with Lewis, yeah. he, or not Lewis, Fuller, he's the one who really tests the patient, the audience, of what they'll tolerate. If they had not cast someone so likable and goofball as on, yeah. I don't think it would have worked. Especially at the point where, yeah, he fucks up with the whole setup of the prank. But when he goes to the hotel to try to sleep with her, you know, and he knows he's asking his brother and he's passed out. If it had been a different actor or a different approach to it, it, it would have failed horribly. Well, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, most of what he does is a mistake yeah. and not the best judgment. Even before we meet him, we know this about him. But he, you know, but the way he played by Steve Zahn is, you know, not a bad guy, just just a guy who doesn't really think through things and doesn't, you know, make the most considerate choices. And he doesn't necessarily mean harm. He's just fucking around. And, well, sometimes there are consequences to your potential, you know, what you think is a harmless, harmless little prank or activity. Yeah, he's impulsive and self-indulgent. And that's what yeah. he never takes the time to think about how things affect other people. He just wants that. Well, I mean, not to take the name for the movie, but the joy of it. Yeah. And. Yeah, he just wants the little rush of being naughty. Yeah, he's a boy who never grew up. Whereas you have Lewis, who is <laughs> what eight years younger, but clearly the more mature of the two. Yeah. Well, he maybe he you know not suffered not suffered that's not the right words but felt the effects of his brother's life choices and and made different ones for himself or maybe his parents were treated him differently because of his brother's actions right you know sometimes that happens now this is not a horror movie in the sense that you see a lot of gore it really does ride that line um it's kind of a modern up uh, uh redo of uh duel from spielberg where have you ever seen duel I have not. Um, that one is Dennis Weaver. He's on a road trip home, and he decides to pass a truck. And the truck, I mean, it's just so simple. He passes a truck, and uh, the truck takes it as a slight and decides to get him through all the desert and tries to kill him. It's very simple. Yikes. But it's kind of, it takes that pattern and uh, update. But there are some, if the director were to do it differently, it would have been of a horror film. I and I've never seen yeah. sequels, but I get the feeling they probably went more R-rated uh, on Guts. But John Dahl is a director no one ever talks about. Uh, uh, usually does crime thrillers. Uh, before this, he had done Rounders, which got a lot of money. Didn't make a lot of money, but it got a lot of acclaim. And this was kind of his big step up to a studio film. And I think it's the only studio yeah. movie that he's ever done. And I wish it had done better in theaters. I don't know what happened. It came out against something else or... You know, it is less than a month after 9-11. It's the same thing they said with Glass House. Why the movie weren't very successful is because people just didn't go to theaters for a Yeah. Real life events sometimes have an adverse effect on 
on the entertainment industry. And, and and people just didn't want to feel bad. I don't think there was even a hit movie for quite some time that was uh, behind enemy lines. And because of that, it was, you know, rah-rah, patriotic. That was like the first hit since then. So I can see why these right. two, uh, I think they're both from Fox. Um, both no, did... Nobody wants to experience fear after one of the scariest things that's happened in yeah. your lifetime. And this one is full-on, like, just go, go, go thriller. There's some really great script choice in how they a mystery. Um, but there is one weird-ass thing that I think is when they finally show the killer, and he talks. He does not talk in Ted Levine's voice. He doesn't I know. Have, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, why didn't they overdub why did, that? Why didn't they just dub that part, too? You know, they. I read that they brought him in after they filmed everything and had him dub over all the voice. Yeah, it's just why skip that part? Or were you supposed to believe that he was using some sort of voice alteration kind of thing like the way it was? I, I mean, I don't know. I think they just were maybe expected you to be so wrapped up in the in the drama and the suspense that you don't notice. Yeah. I don't know. But for, for using a voice like Ted Levine, uh, I mean, what a brilliant choice because one, such a memorable voice, and two, that's some fucking fucking scary shit. Yeah, I mean, like there's... he is, he's kind of, he's an intimidating man. Well, it's it's so even funny if how... you can't see him, <laughs> he's clearly obsessive and uh, out of his mind. But he has this cold, calculated way of approach his plan and how he talks to them. And it, yeah. I think that's what's scary is because he, yes, he's, he's also controlled. Which is a hard thing to bounce in these movies. They usually make them more like uh, a Norman Bates or or he's completely wacky like Freddy Krueger kind of thing. This guy has methodology. I mean, that's kind of his insanity is that his obsession. Yeah, it's so cre- I mean, it's so creepy. He knows he knows where they are. He knows everything about them, which to me seems a little implausible in like, you know early 2000s uh when yeah there's no social you know, media i mean it, i feel like there's a deleted scene where maybe he went into the car and he saw the registration or some sort how did he get the information is what how, I want to know. how did he know how did he know everything about her that's that's so the a, part that there's some off. yeah there's some stuff that i don't quite get that like in a movie that was made today totally believable because of the access and how much people overshare but in 2000 well you said 1999 when the movie was being made that wasn't a thing man they were still using fucking pay phones in that movie yeah. you know there's uh, a lot of oh and the credit card the uh, i forgot that that's how people used to do credit card transactions oh, oh my that. god i worked at a gas station the summer of 98 and that's how we did it, it was that chunk chunk I know, I forgot all about that. It's such a simple thing. There's small, simple things that make you realize, oh, God, like how much harder it would be to follow and stalk a, a, a person uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, have you ever so, used a TV radio? I'm curious. No. The way There's so many channels, and it's it's more than just a little coincidental. They had to do it for screenplay purposes, but there's so many to get lost. And like he's on 22, and he knows for a fact that Rusty Nail is on there, and he's calling for help. You don't do that. You go you a lower stage, more popular. Yeah, I think that they, you know, maybe are banking on pe- the average person not knowing how that works. Or frankly, maybe they don't really know how it works and didn't bother to figure it out. That's not, that's not uncommon. 
We almost ended up in a situation with a guy who was out of us because my roommate in college, uh, name being withheld for obvious reasons, but he was kind of wealthy and he had, just for the hell of it, a handheld CD. And we'd walk around the dorm rooms and listen to people talk, whatever, and he pulled this situation, pretend to be a girl, and, and this is back in 95, and he was fucking around with some guy and mm. he's like where can i meet you and he said at the college or whatever and i was like are you out of your fucking mind whatever and it's just one of these things that just finally decided he started laughing or whatever and he says dude i'm a, i'm just messing with you i'm a guy and he's like fuck you i'm gonna find your ass and i would people it, you know men especially well no one appreciates it but men especially don't like to be humiliated yeah especially not crazy ones and you think they would learn from that but there's so many other times i wanted no, nothing ever to do with it again you know ron and i were like whoa <laughs> you don't do that yeah. but then you would just no. walk in the room one day and find them just like having you know cussing out uh, truckers for no reason oh my god oh, yeah. don't fuck with truckers man that's scary yeah shit. I, mean, I learned that <laughs> i'm sure most I learned that. Are fine. We've heard some horror stories. I learned that from the wizard, man. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we haven't mentioned yet that this was written by J.J. Abrams. I don't know if it was really his script and someone else cleaned it up. Chris, uh, it says Clay Traver, I, I Tarver. I have no idea. Or it's vice versa. J.J. was kind of getting red hot around this time. And this is just his alias. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. Like, I was looking up the facts, and I was like, well, crap. Like, I remember the movie, you know, some aspects of it, but the details, not so much. I, I did not remember, you know, Ted Levine. Is that how you say his name? Levine? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, as, you know, the bad guy. Uh, basically just the, very, you know, the cast and the basic concept. But I got to say, like, if you can ignore some of the details that would not be relevant 20 years later, right now, it still really holds up. Like, like it's the intensity, scare factor. I mean, even if you don't see some big gore, messed up shit happens. Yeah. You just don't get, you don't have to see all the gory details. And I mean, the cast, obvious, you know, there's not, they're not huge obviously not huge stars now but they all did a fair amount of stuff and had their moment and they're by no means bad actor i would say some people say paul walker was not a good actor i humbly agree especially he makes suspense type movies right yeah he got he got stereotyped as the same thing with keanu you know like the whole surfer yep. kind of bro absolutely yes sadly he never had his you know renaissance the way that keanu has but well, um, he might have if he had the chance. Yeah. Uh, it bothers me to know that some people just... I don't understand why Vin Diesel, he's not very successful in America, but every time you turn around, he's trying to launch a new franchise that's a huge hit internationally. And Paul yeah. just never had that. The Timeline is a great movie. Enjoy that. I enjoyed this. Oh, I, love I love Timeline. Yeah, Eight Below. What's the, yeah, what's the one other suspense one he did? Uh, With Vera, Vera Farmiga? Oh, that, that's where scared. Ah, your wind's blowing really hard, lady. Good lord. Are you, are you still there? Yes, I'm still it's here, but you saw like you're walking through a tornado. Running, did you stop it? No, we're good. We're still going. Okay, sorry. I'm walking through a tornado, a.k.a. the windy, the windy patch in my neighborhood. Sorry. Um, running scared, right, is what it's called? Correct. Yes. 
God damn, talk about another super intense, terrifying movie. Yeah, it's, so, it's I think he's, I think Steve Zahn, uh, it would be like another six years before he got noticed as a dramatic actor for Rescue Dawn, but I think he really yeah. balances out like the fun, goofy side, but at the same time, he's, he's good at this stuff. Yeah. Um, Lily, okay, so Lily Sobieski isn't really a big part of this movie, but the second no, she No, I forgot she didn't come in until at least more than halfway through. Yeah, but when she does they, come in, she takes charge. She's like, what are you guys doing, this stupid... So, for a while, I, part of me is really disappointed that she does get kidnapped, because that's kind of the... But at the same time, the point of the movie, I think, kind of is the relationship and how to how they both have to... Whatever. Yeah. I, I'm torn on that one, but when she does come in, she is in charge, absolutely. Yeah, that when she's talking to him on the sea, and she's, you know, uh, I thought, man, she's gonna talk him down and make, you know, make that maybe she's gonna make this okay because it was, it felt so like seer. Yeah. And she's like crying, and she didn't even do anything wrong. She just got in the wrong situation with ding dongs that. Also, didn't really mean anything. They just made him. I can't believe those two had to get naked. In the, I mean, I that, that had to be a scene that was very young. <laughs> the things you do for Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> maybe um, they maybe they had butt doubles. But uh, I will say this: the movie has found an audience, 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 obviously, because there have been video sequels. Which, um, if they're good, tell me. I'll. Die. But uh, now, the Glass House, almost the same box office. I don't know, and it had a direct-to-video sequel, but I don't know. Joyride still comes up from time to time. Glass House is almost completely forgotten. Yeah, you know, and I, other than the very, very, very basics, I didn't remember anything about this. I didn't remember, the, other than Lee Sobieski, cast. I didn't remember the plot. I mean, just a general plot about, you know, going to live with these other people, and it was, like, intense. I don't remember anything else. So it was kind of like I watched it for the first time all over again. Yeah, and I think somehow uh, it must have led, uh, Joyride must have led to her getting this role because... Um, it, it seems like they had seen her performance because, like I said, she's only in maybe 25 minutes of it and just said, this girl ha has something. She's more than just, and I hate to say it, but for a while people were calling her like a little Helen Hunt. She looked and sounded the same. But Oh, yeah. I, I do believe that there's, I don't know what ever happened to her, but I he had enough talent that she was greatly. Yeah, I think that she just, you know, suffered through the whole, you know, late 90s early 2000s world not a lot of those you know hip oh god i just use the word hip i'm sorry. um you know actresses and actors just either maybe they didn't want to do it anymore or they just didn't make the cut they couldn't make it past those teen type what i i don't like is in joyride they sexual her now they bring that up as a point um in uh the glass house but it's it's part of the plot. It's not just there to Google, you know, Google, Google her. But I can't say anything right today. What the fuck's wrong with her? Ogle. The word's ogle. I think you. I think you should say Google because I kind of think it's funny. <laughs> just Google her. Um, no, but there. That's part part of the plot is that he Stellan Skarsgård is eyeballing her and it's making her uncomfortable. And it's part of it. And it comes up in discussion later. 
and I, I think it's more important to the plot, whereas in Joyride, it's just, oh, it's there for the boys to go, ooh, look at that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess it's to, you know, the siblings had, like, a awkward dynamic for many reasons, and they started to fix that due to circumstances, and they were like, oh, well, we gotta, oh, sh- we gotta add some of that conflict back by bring girl in, you know? Okay, so, you're right about that. No, I, no, you're right. If, I if, can, if she I was I can see that as the reasoning, but okay. still. I know I can see that. I, if Lewis, I don't, I mean, sorry, Fuller wouldn't have noticed her as much, I think. That shirt, <laughs> no bra. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing they do in Hollywood. I don't really, don't know too many people in real life that do that, but whatever. Hollywood, Hollywood will make you think that no woman in the history of the world ever wears a bra until they're like, 60 so i don't know the uh anyway it's a shock to me that glass house costs so much more than joy and because you're counting in the reshoots which probably it was uh maybe an 18 million dollar movie for joyride ended up costing 23 this cost 30 million dollars and is it what is it? it the the shooting location was that a really expensive house? I'm gonna to say because they were like using the P, the PCH instead of like the desert in the middle of nowhere is my guess. Yeah, yeah. well the the producer of this uh, Neil H Neil H Moritz he runs a company called Original Film and I feel like whenever I see the budgets on his movies I'm always like a, a do what. I feel like, and, and I don't want to get sued, but I feel like maybe he's getting paid as producer to bring this stuff to it. Uh, I also will, will say that I did read in the in the trivia that she, Lily Sobieski, got paid a million dollars. Wow. Which is no small amount for a basically teenage girl in the year 2000. No, Mindy, this is where it is. You got the movies confused. Glass House originally was 100 Okay. That must be where it is. This is 74 minutes of film. There's literally a role okay. for Kit Pardue, who plays her boyfriend, who cut out. That's true. The, yes, that's a, that had to be a lot of like creative cutting to cut out an entire person. You never see him ever. So, sorry. I watched them both like yesterday, so <laughs> I'm bound to get a few. So, um, I mean, you know, it can't really too much on the cast in general because it's like, I mean, not very many Pustel and Sarsgaard were at the time, right? No, he was I more mean, like an international star who was starting to get some word out there. Was this before or after Goodwill Hunting? Because that was the first time I remember. Uh, no, this is after. This is four years after uh, Goodwill Hunting. And then, I mean, was this during Diane's like, was she starting to have her resurgence? She's just, this time? she's just about to have it. So this is so funny. I don't know if this has ever happened before. If it has, tell me. She has the number one and number two movie. Yeah, I did see that too, and I thought that was interesting because they're very, they're vast. <laughs> yeah, but it's the next year when she does Unfaithful, and that's what blew it up. Yeah, absolutely. So it can't be cast, really. No, it must be shooting locations. I'm, you think about all of those places went to, and that has to be. What like, about what about all those cars? Yeah, that they, yeah. And some pretty epic like car crashes too, man. Yeah, he, this one is more of a slow burn than yes. uh, than the Joyride, where it's a constant go, 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 go. I'm looking at this here, Mindy. I didn't know this. Michael O'Keefe, you know, the, the star of Caddyshack, um, he played her dad. So he mu- they must have been cutting style. Kathy Baker? I mean, she, I was right. She was in this. I forgot. She was. Um... I mean, she was only in, like, two scenes. Uh, I mean, Rita Wilson, for whatever reason, is, like, not even credited in the movie. I mean, she only has two small scenes, as well as the, the father 
only had two, I think, two small scenes. So uh, there's such a, I mean, their their accident happens so so early in the film that they're barely in it. Yeah, I'm thinking that there's probably a lot of relationship stuff to make you care about their loss more. uh, Because it does seem really... Yeah. But um, I'm just curious what the original version looks like. But I will say this. Um, what what I did see was great. I mean, I, I can't feel like there's a whole lot of, ooh, I needed to know what this was. Maybe a lot of it was superfluous and just thrown away. Yeah, I mean, I think they did a good job of, like, again, yes, you're right, it was a slow burn, and it took a while to establish for us to start of what was really going on. And we see it as shit, which I appreciate. Um, but sometimes I don't like it when they're like, shh. You guys get a soul in the street, don't get to know, you know? Uh-huh. So we see it as she's learning the things, and it's just like, man, resorts that they made, uh, take advantage of Yeah, that's kids. the craziest thing, because it's such a long one. You know you know that something's up, and that they're obviously trying to get some, you know, the money from them, but why? What led them to this? And I feel like that must have been, I think some of that must have been cut out too, but... We got all the details we need. She was a good doctor who did her own medicine. She started selling it on, well, maybe she started selling it first and then she started doing drugs. So that's what destroyed her. And he overspends at whatever it is, uh, his hobbies, his business, uh, gambling, I don't know, but he's way that over his ridi- head. Yeah, that ridiculous house. Cause you know, that was the whole point was like, they were next door neighbors for like 10 years when the kids were growing up. So it's like it's they don't really show very much of that relationship because and it almost seems like they just gave their kids to complete freaking stranger. Uh, but they you know moved out of the neighborhood to go to Malibu and live this huge house, which I'm sure was part of the problem to maintain this image. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. They could have solved all their fucking problems right there. Sell what you do not need to survive. And yeah. they just wouldn't. And their idea is to kill two little kids instead of selling their yeah, fucking well, house or their cars or the business. They, yeah, not just the kids, but their parents to get the kids. Yeah, they deserve everything bad that came to Ugh. them. Yeah, and she felt guilt about it. She killed herself. And I'm like, I don't feel sorry for it. <laughs> yeah, assholes. like, if that's really the best best you could have made here to like you're not you're not protecting anybody you're not doing anything you know she had remorse and could have made so much better she could have taken those kids and run right she could have done anything but but more than she did right she was a very poor broken mentally person that was her idea of what she should do instead of saving the kill of the kids I know, I was like, when we saw T. Bruce Dern as, like, the family lawyer or whatever, I'm like, my goodness, he looked good 20 years ago. Uh, I just, you know, time, sometimes you don't realize how how time has passed. Because, like, I don't really think Diane or Selen Sarsgaard really look that different. No. After t- but Jim, you're like, well, okay, yeah, I can. Um, but dang, you know, I was so sure he was going to be shady or got instead. I feel so sad about that. And I know that, you know, that little, you know, she felt so bad. She was desperately trying to get something. And it was like, yeah. Well, and then bullshit after bullshit after her persistence, despite the fact that she keeps getting cut off, left. Yeah. Um, and oh my God, how many times has she tried to save her little and that little I fucking know. asshole? <laughs> At least in the end, yeah. she like it, you know, pulled through. But yeah, I mean, maybe that was her thing. Like she, you know, was playing really strong 
determined, uh, you know, young women in a time that, like, we really needed strong, determined young women to be leading moves. Yeah, maybe that's why she's, you know, maybe just thought the roles that were coming to learn. I know she was on some cop TV show about five, six, I think that's a lot. Hmm, I don't really know. I'll have to look, but yeah. I can't even tell you the last thing I could remember her in. I mean, I feel like for a few, you know, five five years maybe, she did quite a lot. I remember she did like a sad dying thing with Chris Klein. Oh, and yeah. My, the very first time I've seen her, she was in my favorite uh, episode of News Radio. All-time favorite oh. episode. That's the one where they replace the uh, convenient sandwich machine in the lobby with a video game. Do you remember oh. this at all? No, I don't remember that uh, one. But... Bill, Bill McNeil goes insane over the fact that they got rid of those nasty-ass sandwiches. Um, and then uh, Joe makes these gross sandwiches for him. But then Dave, who's supposed to take the SAT again with... Um, oh, what was the girlfriend's name? Ah. Damn it. I don't. I mean, well, I know her actual name, they, but I don't they, know her character they name. They think by taking the SATs again, they can prove which one of them is smarter. But he becomes obsessed oh with God. the game, so he never studies. And then she goes, and she uh, she's waiting for whatever. She's hanging out with some teenage kid, and she's like, uh, why are you here? What are you, like, 50? Or <laughs> whatever, and it's Lily Sobieski. And I just thought it was such a funny take. Uh, oh, you know what movie Lisa. I really like with her yeah. was... Um, my first mister with albert brooks oh yeah that is good i forgot about that one christine lottie directed it. i didn't realize that but that was also came out in 2001 wow so. she had a busy year because i know she did that uh uprising jews versus nazis uh, yeah underground i remember that that was really good too yeah so, so it's she like, had a streak so like, there yeah, she was in, like, Deep Impact, Never Been Kissed. So from, like, 98 to, I don't know, 2000, really it was 2001, it was, like, well, that was only, like, three years that she was really hot. She did a lot. She was in The Wicker Man. I don't remember that one, but... <laughs> Bees! Public Enemies in 2009. I also don't remember her in that. Um, but... Yeah, it looks like she did something up in 2000, which um, is later than I would have thought. But the, anyway. Yeah, the, the David Sackheim directed He's never directed another movie. I think he did a fine job. So what happened? Most production trouble. Because, you know, because it was 100. Maybe the studio yeah. just decided, mm, we don't need him anymore. And he went back to television. But I'll say this. The writer of it, Wesley Strick, this guy has a lot of hits. He did uh, yeah. Arachnophobia, Cape Fear, Final Analysis, Batman Returns, Wolf. The Saint returned to paradise and then has been really bad wow. ever since until he went back to television with Man in My Castle. Oh, yeah. I've heard super good things about that. Uh, I mean, it is based on a book, I think, so he can't take complete credit for it. Okay. But, I mean, you know, I think that I'm glad to know that TV shows have a lot more... Uh, you know, respect or whatever than they once did. Like, I, you know, I think it was often viewed as like, oh, well, here's the end of my career. Yeah. I'm now resorting to television. And it's not like that now. No, it's you like, can bounce you know, in and out, which is good. Yeah. It's just another way to make good, you know, good stories. I see that, he, that they made a Glass House sequel in 2006, which, I mean, I knew existed, but definitely have not. Yeah, I'm curious. I do like Angie Harmon. And who's the guy? The guy that's from 4400 is the husband. So yeah. It has my yeah. If I can see it for free somewhere, I will. It says that it's on Amazon. There you One go. of these days, 
I'm going to figure out how to get you access to my Amazon <laughs> That was torture. One day. One day. Why does every other service have to uh, make it simple and this has to make it so complicated? We do. We have these. Like, it works so easily. The next one, like, this should work easy. What is happening? I'm losing my mind. <laughs> yeah, that was the most torturous experience that led to no result. And it was all, so, I can't remember what it was. What were we trying to watch? Was it this? It wasn't this. It was, I, that was on Hulu. No, I... I was trying to get you access to my Paramount Plus account so that oh, before when we did like and stuff. That's yeah. right. And I had to watch shitty copies. Of um, well, that is it for this episode. Check us out next time. with uh, We're doing Ginger Snaps Trilogy. Uh, we're on Facebook under Hit Rewind Podcast. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Send me cookies. Send her Oh, jeez, please. I really like baked goods. I'll take it all. Yeah. <laughs> all <laughs> but right, yeah, right. you know, feedback is super great. And I do, you know, there's certain episodes that I, like, share with people. Or I, I send to, like, random people I've made friends with on Instagram. Like, okay. Like whatever. Just share, y'all. Especially, you know, which one I've shared the most is that anniversary episode of Princess Diaries. Oh, I really thought it would have been Josie and the Pussycats. Okay, Uh, yeah. I just, I feel like everybody was super excited when that uh, anniversary date came around. It was all over my Instagram. I don't know if it it reflects that in the downloads, uh, but if it does, it's because I share it with everyone. So Uh, anyway, thanks everybody. That's kind of the pattern we've had. In order to pick... It has to be like, we, we had so much trouble picking for a while there, and we decided just try anniversaries. That will help us guide. The one that I never got in, and I just never see it for a good price, is uh, Get Over It. And someday we. One day we'll get to it because it is deeply worthy of a conversation. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is it. Have a good